After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. And welcome back to another episode of Whiskey, Beer, and Conspiracy Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Big Country, as always, on the other end of the mic. It's me, boy. That's right. <laughs> and uh, say what's up, Chris. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, we have a wonderful guest on the show with us tonight. Um, before we introduce him, we want to thank everybody for the support thus far on the Hooligan Tavern. Those numbers are growing. We are back on Apple. Uh, as of this week, by the time you listen to this, it'll be about a week old. But I know people were sending us messages. What's going on with Apple? Uh, there was an issue with the RSS feed. We got that fixed. So all episodes from 1 to 128 geez, uh, are up there. Um, if you're still kind of wondering how to sign up for the Hooligan Tavern, you just click that link on Spotify. Sign you up, $4.99 a month. And then you get access to all of the secret stuff for the hooligan tavern that's on our website we got some video game tournaments coming up we want to give you guys some free merch merch that only you guys have access to so we're gonna have some fun with that um boy anything else before we let our um, guests rock wild no just a reminder on spotify you're gonna see like the pay symbol next to certain things and that's how you're gonna sign up um the regular feed is still free so if you click on one of those first and think, oh shit, these guys are gonna charge me to listen, uh, no, that's not true. You just you just you click the wrong episode because you'll see previews on there that you're gonna have to pay for to continue on to the paid stuff. But no, the normal stuff is free, so disregard that. Um, we're not we're not charging you for everything. Yeah, exactly. The main show will always be free forever. Uh, we're on Rockfin, of course. Um, all your podcasting platforms. But without further ado, we are joined by Mr. Robert Michael tonight. Sir, how are you? Good. How are you guys? Doing all right. Doing all right. Boy, and the one-footed boy over there. Yeah, I know. Um, I heard. <laughs> so, um, Robert, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is you currently do? Well, the, the second part of that's going to be a little hard, but uh, we'll try to keep it under three hours. Um, <laughs> so uh, my background is in law and, um, you know, not not uh, law school. Right. So right. taught myself law, woke up in 2009 uh, as a carpenter, contractor. I've been a carpenter since the age of 13. My father taught me carpentry, worked for him um, around 1920. I I played moonlighted in bands for years, got married, had a kid, you know, um, I got married in 2005, 2006, had a kid. A few years later, my parents start, were losing their home from the 2008, uh, bubble mm. burst. Right. So, you know, my, my parents are hard workers. They're, um, honest people. They don't drink, they don't smoke. I mean, they're still together. They've been together since they were teenagers, nice. um, work their asses off, you know, uh, just, tried to do the right thing always. And this was like the third time in their life that they were looking at going bankrupt and having everything yanked out from them. So they were like, what the hell is going on here? 
So they, you know, my mom started seeing all this stuff on, on the internet about uniform commercial code, common law, you know, the government is not a republic, it's a democracy, it should be a republic and, you know, birth certificates and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And she starts researching and get invo getting involved and trying to save her home at the same time, which was futile. Um, she got a forensic audit, audit done and put it into the case. And the forensic audit showed that the mortgage note had made like five times the amount of the house, you know, that, that five times the amount of what she was supposed to pay back. So in other words, the house was already paid for, right? I right, mean, he's got right. millions of dollars on this $500,000 home. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, my parents started fighting back. They put the stuff in the court, court ignored it, took the home from them anyway. Wow. I, at first, didn't want to hear any of it. I was like, you guys are crazy conspiracy theorists. Y'all need to, you know, yeah. go back, put your head down and go back into the workforce, right? Um, so I didn't really talk to them for a little while. It was just kind of this, you know, thing between 2008, 2009. Then around like 2009 going into 10, I started seeing some things that my mom was telling me and I was like, you know what? I'm an optimistic skeptic, right? Like I'm open-minded, well but said. I need, yeah, I need to see more. I need to see more. Something triggered me and I was like, I need to, all right, let me start looking at this. And then not only did I start looking at it and actually seeing some truth to it, but I wanted to get involved somehow. How do I get involved? So I got into some grassroots groups. One was called the Republic for the United States of America. And what we were doing was formed. We had groups in every state. Kind of what, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the American Nationals or yeah. Anna Von Ritz. Or, yeah. Okay. Anna was part of this group as well. That's how I know Anna from way back then. I know a okay. lot of these guys from then. Okay. And um, that's why I'm like, why are you trying to do this again? I don't get that. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, if it failed once. Um, so, you know, they, they came in, they shut it all down. And around 2011, I started finding things that were inconsistent with the guys that were running the show. And I was like, this mm. isn't right, man. I started calling their card and they didn't have answers for it. So anyway, what had happened in that group was I, I became uh, one of the leaders of the local chapter, if you will. Right. Okay. I didn't want to, I just started filling into this role because I started saying, I'm like, man, people, people got passion, but they got no damn organization skills, man. They got no skills on how to put anything together. Like all they got is, you know, passion and anger and fight back, <laughs> right. you know, truth. And, and that doesn't work, man. It doesn't work. So I right. started heading up this, these groups and organizing and, you know, my, my mom and dad were in it and everything and my friends and, um, there was a guy that came in that infiltrated. He didn't like me. He wanted to, he wanted to create commotion and mm. everybody, he started dividing everybody. So I wanted to figure out, well, if we're really functioning in common law, because this particular group was a common law group, right? Mm -hmm. How would this be handled? And, you know, so it was, it was the argument, not the argument, but the tension between he and I, that mm. was like the best education I ever got because I wanted to kick his ass so bad in law. And he was this educated, you know, professor okay. type guy right. that I had to like grind and grind and grind and figure this stuff out and just keep hammering him and catching him, you know? So it taught me a ton. And then I got out of that group because I was like, yeah, that's, that's, ship is sinking. And it did, although we did do some pretty amazing things before it sank. Um, then I said, okay, now I know a lot about common law. And, and then I started studying trusts and equity. And uh, 
I realized that like, look, man, this is all run by the Pope, right? Mm -hmm. This is all, you know, the, the modern civil world is run by the Pope. I mean, that's where it comes from, Rome. Rome went into the Catholic Church. Catholic Church took over with the Holy Roman Empire and so on and so forth. Right. So I, at that point, was like, I, you know, I don't want anything to do with this shit anymore. It's futile until somebody cracks that nut, you know. I don't want to deal with it. Sure. Um, and lo and behold, uh, about a few weeks later, maybe a few months later, not even, I'd say two at the most, my parents come to me and they go, hey, look, we're going to go see this guy, James McBride in Virginia. And uh, yeah, he's got this man. You're not going to believe what he has. My parents were telling me. I said, go buy his paperwork. He's going to he's going to give you a savior. He's going to give you all this paper that's supposedly going to save you and take you out of the system and make you sovereign. And, right. you know, you see this and all that. You knock yourselves out, mom and dad, because they're constantly chasing this stuff. Right. Right. I don't do that. I look at what people have and then I research it and I'm like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. That does. That does. That doesn't. You know, and I, right. I form my sure. own hypothesis. So. They went to this seminar and I said, bring the paperwork back. I'll take a look at it. And when they brought the paperwork back, man, I was like, I mean, you, you hear people saying, you know, every hair stood up on my neck. Well, that's what it was like. I mean, I got goosebumps every time I tell this story. I get goosebumps. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, what in the hell is this? Because it was the first time someone had blended the spiritual with the secular and mm -hmm. was using it in, and not even that they were using it, but the way that it was written and how it was done from my studies in common law, I immediately saw how to take it and use it right. without, without ever meeting this guy, without watching a video, without studying any of his stuff. Mm -hmm. I just knew what the hell this was. So then I started asking for volunteers. Um, well, actually, what happened was I was like, all right, I'm going to join this group. You know, was, again, you go on the website, you join, you sign the paperwork, whatever. So I went and I joined. And then uh, I started helping people in the group. I, I said, locally, this was in Maryland where I used to live. I said, I'll take volunteers. Whoever's got issues, doesn't matter what it is. Hmm. I have a plan. I've got an idea. And what we're going to do is I'm going to go in as your counsel. And I was listening to a lot of Bill Thornton at that time from um, – uh, 1215.org. I don't know if you're familiar with that website, but uh, Bill's common law teacher, okay. great guy, ton of knowledge. And actually come around full circle. My first seminar I did in Northern California last year, year this guy just shows up and I'm like, dude, oh, you're, wow. you're the <laughs> guy cool. that I first learned all this shit from, you know, and now you're yeah, at my you. seminar. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, just crazy divine things happen like that all the time to me with this whole thing. So anyway, I, I get involved and I, I go into court as people's counsel. And what I did was I said, look, we, we can have no less than 12 people come with us. We need a jury. All right. So we need a jury. I'm going to, we're going to notify the court with this guy's documents ahead of time. We're going to tell them who we are. We're going to let them know we're coming and we're going to let them know that our court will be appearing in their court that day. So we're going to have two courtrooms running at the same time. Or two hmm. courts in the same room, one superior, one inferior. Ours is superior, theirs is inferior. And uh, I'll tell you, man, it was scary as shit the first time. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, who does this, right? right. 
And man, I mean, I guarantee you talk to any of those people that went that day and they'll tell you it was the craziest thing they'd ever seen. I mean, the judge just was totally stuck. He couldn't move. He couldn't do it. He couldn't have me arrested. He tried. There was nothing he could do. Kept leaving the bench and coming back, leaving the bench oh, and wow. coming back. He's Googling yeah. shit. <laughs> He's okay. Googling shit. Not only Googling, but they like some of these courts the back wall has a door that you can't see, right? right? It's built into the wall. It's like this mysterious wall. They had one of those and the clerks were running out with post-it notes and giving them to him. He asked us to step aside so he could hear everybody else. Now, for those of you that have ever done any of this stuff, you know how they operate. And I'll tell you the protocol. If you go in and challenge the court with anything law, sovereign citizen, they call it all that stuff. What right. they're going to do is ask you to sit down they're going to empty the courtroom, hear all the cases and bring you back up. So no one else hears what you're doing. It's just standard practice. Okay. Mm -hmm. At the time, I not didn't the know first that. time I've heard that. It's not yeah, the first time. That's I've exactly heard what they do, man. That's their protocol. So at the time I didn't know that, like, but the judge, but they, he did that. Right. But the funny mm -hmm. thing was, I'll never forget. He, he kept asking the prosecutor. Now the judge is some older dude and looked like maybe his early late fifties, early sixties, bald. Right. And he's like, him and the prosecutor, she's like winking at him and shit. She's some young chick, tits mm. hanging out and all. I'm like, dude, you're nice. Sleeper with this guy? Like, that's disgusting. 100%. 100%. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and, and it was so obvious, right? She just looked like dirty. You know what I mean? And, uh, like slutty hot. Yeah, like I get what you're saying. Dirty. Yeah. yeah, like, come on, man. Like, she holds <laughs> herself together, girl. You know, right? like, you're doing <laughs> Be professional. Be professional. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it literally, and all the witnesses will say that they saw it happening. And um, so anyway, he would ask her like, you know, prosecutor, how many more case, you know, how many more cases do we have today? And she'd go, well, we've got, you know, this one, that one, and this one. And he'd look and he'd look up and he'd go, and I knew what he was looking for. He was looking to see how many people were left in the courtroom because we had so many people in there. There should have mm -hmm. only been like six, but there was like 18. Right, because of all of our people, so yeah. he was like shit, and he was sweating in the brow and everything, and and I was just driving him home, and what I was doing was saying, look, I'm the superior, we are the superior court, and I'm her counsel, so if she has a question, she'll ask me, I'll give her my opinion, and then she'll tell you, and this was a criminal, quasi criminal breaking and entering case for a woman that was doing the same thing my parents were doing, fighting mm. her foreclosure. She put the forensic accounting in. They ignored it. Right. She said, I'm not leaving this house. Her and her husband and her kids went out to dinner and the bank came while they were gone and changed the locks. Oh, shit. So they, yeah. So they opened the window or whatever and went in. The cops came and they arrested them. Right. Husband and wife. Yeah. Breaking into their own house. house. Dude. Yeah. What's going into their own house. So yeah. it wasn't like, I'm, you know, trying to help people that deserve to be, you know, right. held accountable. Um, so, you know, this went on and this was my first experience seeing how powerful the spiritual realm is when you understand how the whole birth certificate and the and the bankruptcy. Well, it's not bankruptcy. It's insolvency, how the whole insolvent countries work and all that mm. stuff. Like and when that happened, then I got a call from the guy that wrote the paperwork, Jim McBride, and I just wound up being his like right hand. And we wow. we shared only like five months together. I mean, half the time we weren't together because we got arrested and we were separated. <laughs> and, um, 
it was like it was like centuries had gone by, man, because me and this dude have spent some centuries together. There's no doubt. And he's dead now. He died last year oh, on no. Damn it. Yeah, on Sacha Stone's tour with Robert David Steele died too. They both died. Him and yeah. wow. um, so yeah. So anyway, that was like where it all hit home for me. And I realized the power that we have when we understand what's really going on and how to assert it the right way. And the right. right way is not by fighting. The right way is not in courts because they're never going to expose everything. You may win. Sure. Great. But you're just whacking branches off, right? You're not really mm -hmm. uprooting the tree. You're just taking branches off with all these processes everybody has. So, um, he and I got arrested in 2013 for going into the Detroit bankruptcy, which is on the House of Marcus YouTube. You can hear me in court doing my thing, right? mm -hmm. laying it down to this federal judge about who we are with the seal of St. Peter. That's a much deeper conversation and how we actually had the seal of St. Peter and we're using it to give orders to the Vatican in different days. It's craziness, man. It was craziness. Damn. Oh, it was so nuts what was happening that, you know, it definitely is going to be a documentary because there's so it's much to be. tell. Yeah, <laughs> I, I could take up, you know, the whole three hours and I don't want to do that. But the experience, I, I can't say that what we were doing was like making the Vatican and stuff actually react. Right. With fact. I can't say that with fact. All I can do is present you guys the facts and go, Make your own decision because I will right. tell you if I show you shit and you look at the timelines of when they did certain shit and what was in the documents, you mm. might go, well, that's freaking interesting. Like, yeah, major, wow. major stuff. Um, so once so so I got arrested. So they tried to keep us out of the Detroit bankruptcy. 2012, Detroit was going in the bank. They filed for bankruptcy. We go into 2013. I think they filed in 12, maybe they filed in 13, but either way, it was 2013. And now I'm friends with this guy and I live in Maryland. He lives in Ohio and that's where our office, we were in a group called the Divine Province, which was a private member. Actually, it was an unincorporated association. Okay. okay. PMA is what people call them today, uh, but it was an unincorporated association. And we had people all over the world. We had some really, you know, um, well-known people as, mm. as well. And people that you guys might even see on the internet as some of these gurus were in a lot oh, of this wow. stuff. Too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, the, again, Anna was in that group, right? She, and her and Jim got into this big battle like two years ago or so. It's just crazy. I'm like, you guys, <laughs> you're, you're going to go. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so so we went in the Detroit bankruptcy and Jim was like, look, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to give them the orders with the seal of St. Peter. I'm going to tell them, you know, that the, that the people of Detroit are the true creditors. And when the true creditors show up in a bankruptcy, you got to pay the claim to the true creditors. Mm -hmm. right? They take priority. How are you going to pay the creditors back? Well, see, what they were doing is making, of course, the people, the city, the debtors, and they were taking the pensions from oh, all sure. of the people in order to pay back the city's creditors, which we all know is nothing more than the Federal Reserve and the IMF and so on mm. and so forth that it goes up the line. I mean, there was Bank right. of America and these other ones were involved, but ultimately, you know who yeah. it all goes back to, right? Exactly. Yeah. Right. So Jim wrote up an objection on behalf of the people. He put it into the court, right? Objection, uh, bankruptcy objection on behalf of the people of Detroit. 
And then uh, we started rallying support in Detroit. So we would, I would go to Ohio to the office for, you know, I'd, I'd take off work, I'd go or take the weekend and we'd run up to Detroit and we'd start, you know, having little gatherings, right? Having mm -hmm. our members gather people so we could explain to them, this is what's really going on with your bankruptcy. It's nothing to what they're telling you. You guys are the creditors and here's how you're the creditor, right? And we were telling right. them about their birth certificates, their registration, you know, the fact that they're just you know, being used as commodities and things like that. Mm -hmm. And um, then he started doing commercials. Somebody offered him, hey, you know, we got a TV studio. You want to do a commercial? We'll get you on the primetime slot, man. And I mean, people oh, were yeah. stopping us from Detroit, man. They were like, hey, you guys are that fraud action <laughs> team, man. That like Dunkin' Donuts and the gas station, like <laughs> randomly stopping us, man. Like it was getting crazy. Yeah. So what happened was we put the objection into the case. And then that was in like, I'm going to say July sometime in August. I think it was either early, I think it was early August. The hearing to read the objection, to go in and actually object was September 19th. So mm -hmm. we had a month and a half, a little over a month and a half to rally the support. So I'm up there with him, we're doing all this stuff and then um all of a sudden I'm there on one of the weekends. It was a week before the the physical hearing. And uh, I show up at the office, I'm getting ready to go home. It's Sunday morning. I'm gonna say bye to Jim and I'm out of here. So I pull up and there's the FBI and oh, local police. Yeah, and they're raiding the place, they're carrying shit out. I'm like, oh, yeah, freaking okay. So, you know, I pull up, of course, I'm not gonna run, but I'm gonna talk to these guys, see what's going on. Right. So I pull up, you know, the FBI tries to intimidate me. They get this huge, you know, FBI agent, big black guy. <laughs> He jumps out of the door and he's like pointing at me and yelling at me, you need to give me your ID. I'm like, who the hell are you, dude? <laughs> like, what the, like, I, it actually, he was so arrogant and so like trying, trying so hard to intimidate me that I spit my coffee out laughing. And I, looked at, <laughs> I looked at the county cop. I was like, do you know this guy? You know, because they had the county guys there and the county guys were like, damn, dude, you just laughed at his face. Like, like yeah, who is this guy? You know, trying yeah. to intimidate me, get the hell out of here. I don't get, I don't care that you have three letters on your shirt, guy. Like, <laughs> I'm not yeah. you. you know, yeah. yeah. So they tried to intimidate me. They signed Jim's warrant on 9 11, right? Wow. They always use this esoteric stuff. And it was a charge out of a state that he had never been to, South Carolina. We're in Ohio. He's like, I've never even been. He said, the most I've ever been in South Carolina is driving through to Florida, I think, two times. He's like, I've yeah. never been in South Carolina. So it was a setup. Mm -hmm. But it was interesting that they were trying to get him out of the way of this bankruptcy. Like, what the hell? Yeah. Well, they didn't plan on me being. They didn't know who I was. I, I wouldn't give them any ID. I didn't give them any ID. Um, and they were like, who the hell is this guy? We can't find, I have no criminal record. You know, Jim yeah. had a ton of prior criminal stuff because he's been fighting the government for years and they've arrested yeah. him several times. Right. Yeah. He's on a few lists already. <laughs> Welcome. Well, what got him started, bless his heart, man, was the fact that th he got busted for a little bit of cocaine and they were like, look, here's what we're going to do. Instead of putting you away, you become a patsy for us or a, uh, you know, a, a narc okay. and we'll, make sure you're taken care of. So then they gave him like pounds to run, like tons and tons of cocaine to deal with and stuff uh, with Pablo Escobar and all kinds of shit. And yeah. And then what they did was they turned on him and put him in jail for it at the same oh, time. Man. Oh, man. So like, like freeway Ricky. Yeah. Right. 
So while he was in jail, he started studying the law. He started hearing about all this UCC stuff and everything, right? This is in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So he started studying all this stuff. And then once he got out, he did a bunch of stuff. And of course, they went at him again. Oh, look, he's a convicted felon, arrested, you know, this kind of stuff. So he had a long rap sheet, but most of his rap sheet was because he was trying to stand up for everybody. It wasn't the cocaine thing that happened, right, you know, right. way back when. So anyway, now here we are and they arrest him. So I went into the Detroit bankruptcy a week later and, uh, man, I don't know whatever happened there was pretty freaking intense, man. It was intense. Like the Vatican was saying, don't talk to this man. Do not talk to this man. He's Whoa. not with the Vatican, you know, cause I would wear their symbol on my tie and shit. Like, yeah. you know, and I went in and laid it down. I mean, you can hear the, the recording on, on my YouTube. Um, and it made the whole state and the federal government do one of these, jump back and go, shit, we got to cover this up. So they hurried up. Obama was like, oh, we're sending support to Detroit to help yeah. the people of Detroit. It's like to help the people. You didn't give a shit about them before I got up there and said my objection. Like now all, all right. of a sudden you guys want to help the people. You didn't care about the people. Exactly. So there was this big backlash. And then a month and a half later, they came for me and they arrested me because I yeah. got involved. Yeah. So I spent five months in jail fighting extradition. I didn't, mm. I was never charged. I never had a hearing. I was never charged. Um, so I was fighting the extradition. So when you're arrested in one state, mm-hmm. they extradite you to the other. You can, there's a process for you to fight that. Okay. So I didn't really understand the process. I had to try to learn while I was in jail from very minimal, what they called a law library, which was a joke. I mean, county mm. County courts or county jails don't have like you see on TV, right? This big library. No, no, they didn't have that. Okay. You had a little shitty computer from like 1995 and you had very few things of code that you could look at. So I fought extradition. It took five months. They finally said, you lose. And they shipped me down to South Carolina. I bonded out within three days. They put me on an ankle bracelet. I lived with Jim. He found some because he was still down there for like months, right? He was down yeah. there since he got arrested in September. Mm-hmm. So now it's 2014. We both get out or we're both on ankle bracelet. And then um, they wound up, the feds came for him and rearrested him on another wow. to, to make sure he was, because now that we were living together and they knew that, they knew because we we removed our case. Well, we attempted to remove the case and put it in the federal court. Right. Which, I did. I did that. They they objected to his. Well, they mm-hmm. objected to both of ours. But now he was already arrested, so he didn't have an opportunity to respond to the objection. But I did, and that objection. Once I put that objection in the federal court, that case stopped dead. They didn't respond for six months. Holy they didn't shit. respond on that case until I had the attorney that I was forced to hire tell them just dismiss it because I'm not yeah. going to follow through with it. But so it sat think, there for six months. Yeah, because that's that. a long, that's a super long time. Do you think that they right. sat on it hoping that you would just wouldn't respond back to it? Uh, well, they knew because, okay, so the attorney I had to hire, once Jim got rearrested, I was like, I'm done. Give me an attorney. Yeah. I got to get home to my son. My life was destroyed. I had no job. I had no money. I lost my house, lost my son, lost my everything I had. Yeah. So I'm like, I need to get the hell home, man. Screw this. So I got this attorney. Fortunately, he was... Uh, a former uh, 
United States prosecutor in oh, that wow. federal courthouse. So he was over there rubbing elbows with these guys, you know, grease and grease and palms rubbing elbows. And yes, I think they were kind of, they're like, all right, what's this kid going to do? You know, cause he's mm-hmm. got some really, you know, stuff in here that we're having trouble with, you know, like yeah. I didn't know how they're going to get around. It. So I think they stalled it out knowing that, but mm-hmm. six months I was out of there in two months. Yeah. So they were still wondering what I was going to do. Yeah. So they put me on bond um, where I was able to go home. They took the ankle bracelet off, but I had to call them every Tuesday and let them know, hey, I haven't fled the country. Right. Well, this went on for two years. So I never I never had a hearing in South Carolina. They, they never <laughs> brought me to one hearing for my charges ever. Wow. I'm sitting on bond in Maryland. And um, I'm just living my life now. You know, I got it back in order. I got my son back, started doing all this stuff, you know, put my life back together. Mm -hmm. So here we are now, 2016. And uh, I call the attorney and I'm like, dude, you know, there's much more to the attorney thing too. And they made me do a proffer agreement where I had to testify against Jim in federal court and all, which was great because I actually helped his case by testifying against him. I shot the prosecutor's dicks. (laughs) Oh, you're all good. Yeah. Say whatever you want. Right right in the dirt, man. I mean, they just got, you know, they were like, they were freaking out. They put me on the stand after interviewing me twice to make sure Uh I was like in their corner. It was such a scam. I'm like, this is bulls. This is justice. Like, Right. You know, what about Jim? Like, why doesn't he get to meet with me? He gets to cross-examine, right? But they're mm-hmm. meeting with me and they're like, and I'm and I'm listening to them and I'm agreeing with them. I'm like, yeah, I got you. Yeah, oh yeah, we'll be good in there. Trust me, I got. I know what you guys want. And dude, I hammered them, dude. They just <laughs> kept freaking shooting their objections down. They kept trying to object to all my answers. <laughs> the judge was like, denied, denied. He goes, I want to hear this man's understanding. Like the judge was like, yeah, this is killing these guys. Yeah. You can't, can't object to your own witness. Come on now. Right. Oh, <laughs> so anyway, that went on and two years had gone by and I called the attorney and I'm like, dude, look, man, you said, because I testify against my, my buddy that you would get this case dismissed and everything. And it's still sitting, I'm still on bond. I'm still calling every, every month um, or every week. So, Oh, I'm going to do that right away. I said, all right, fine. So two weeks goes by and I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to call this Jack Watt. I'm going to go online and see if he put paperwork in yet. Mm. And um, so I go online and there's no motion to dismiss. Not only is there no motion to dismiss, but the case is dismissed. The case was dismissed two months before I even talked to the guy. Are you fucking the attorney? What? Yeah. It was the two months prior to me having that conversation with the attorney, it was already dismissed and he didn't even know it. Neither did wow. the bond company. Okay, so the lawyer didn't know that it was dismissed. No, okay. neither did wow. the bond company. Wow, so that's right. why the bond company's like still taking your phone calls every Tuesday. Holy right. So, so now, Robert, let's let's back up for a second. What was the initial charge that you had oh, Good question. six months that you were dealing with all this? This was uh, for common law criminal conspiracy. Even the courts and stuff, they were like, we, we've never even heard of it. We're, oh, yeah, yeah, we do have a law called that. What? <laughs> the judge is like, is that like a new one? Or <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. I'm flipping through my book here. I don't yeah, see it. You got to look at the law index. Criminal, 
conspiracy and uh, attempting to assert authority, which is a misdemeanor. The other one was the felony, right? <laughs> attempting and, to act like you had a big dick. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's a crime. Exactly. And <laughs> what they were doing was, of course, you know, they were trying to make me out to be some criminal that was in conspiracy with some members of our organization to defraud the tax, the local tax authority. And I was like, I've never met these people in my life, dude. What yeah. are you talking about? Yeah. So, so, so Robert, let me ask you real quick before you continue. Um, what was the what was the objection to that charge? Because, to my understanding, the Seventh Amendment guarantees you uh, a common law court. Is it the Seventh Amendment or Sixth Amendment? I believe that you're allowed. Well, the Seventh Amendment guarantees you a common law jury in a civil action, okay. not criminal. However, even the criminal is really civil, but to try to convince the court of that right, or try to make that known, they're just going to mm -hmm. wipe it right out. But I did. That was yeah. one of my points. So what we did was we tried to take it out of the state and put it into federal jurisdiction because we knew that that's where our straw man laws really that's where right. they're going to record exists. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the state courts are usually bumbling idiots. So that's true. we tried to remove it. And they said, oh, no, sorry, this is a criminal case. It's got to go back to the state. We don't you can't remove a criminal <laughs> case. Right. And one of the points that I objected to the the federal magistrate with was just that. I said, mm -hmm. your every state is modeled after the federal rules of civil procedure. So every state's court procedures are modeled after the federal rules of civil procedure in the state or in the in the Fed. So the federal rules of civil procedure say rule two says there shall be one form of action, the civil action. Criminal action, there isn't one. It doesn't say anything. There's nothing there. So that was one of the points I brought up was like, is this civil or is it criminal? You tell me you're the court. Which one right. is it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard a lot of people. I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, I've heard a, a lot of people who talk about uh, these these topics. Um always say that the first thing you should do when you walk into court, now I'm not giving advice to anybody, but they always say you have to have them on record say, is this civil or is this criminal? Right. And, and that's kind of how you start. I mean, I don't know, but that's just, I've heard that a lot. I've heard and, that quite a bit. And there, there's just, I want everybody to know there's a lot of people out there that tell you all kinds of things to do because, well, they just have it all figured out. But unless <laughs> you've been in court several times in many yeah. different situations, you don't know that you don't have it figured out. Right, right, <laughs> because right, sure. I brought that up clearly. Is this criminal or civil? It's criminal. <laughs> oh, it is? Well, how is it? Where's the injured party? None of your business. Exactly. Yeah. I've been told. So in other words, when they want to just railroad you they're just gonna railroad you yeah there's a lot more to it than just going in and saying a few magic words that you know right, now, right. sometimes yes it does work and what i've learned in my experience from doing all of this and going through different court experiences not just the ones i'm telling you about there's a really once i get to the point which i'm almost there then i'll shut up about that story but it's very significant mm -hmm. but i learned and i watched and i would watch and see that some judges know a lot. Some judges know a little. Some know nothing. Right. right Most right. of the time, some of the prosecutors know a little bit. Most of the time, they don't know anything. You know, I shouldn't say most of the time they know a little bit. They know a little bit sometimes. Most of the time, they don't know anything. Right. So about, you know, how this ring is really being run. Mm -hmm. 
So for me with the Kansas thing, see, now this is years later, right? This is eight years later. I'm ready now because I've been through all of it. So I know exactly how they operate. So it was mm -hmm. me constantly catching them, asking them specific questions, making sure I got it on record, making sure. And I didn't want to do some patriot process to have everything dismissed. Right. Why? Because I want to take this into federal court. And in order to do that, I've got to document all of your incapabilities mm -hmm. and your incompetence the whole way through from the prosecutor, the judge to the police officers. Everyone's got to be documented. So that's what I did with the Kansas case. OK. okay? Now, going back to that situation where my case was dismissed. dismissed right? right. Right. I was like, why is that? Well, prior to that, I had been studying a shit ton about trust law and I had acquired a very powerful trust that is used by a lot of these private elites. OK, and mm -hmm. it's called a private business trust or a business trust, a common law business trust, a Massachusetts trust. OK, and you can even I just found a law review two days ago that says most of the wealth, 90 percent of the wealth in America is held in this these kinds of trusts. Hmm. OK. 90% is estimated, right? Wow. So back then when I got this business trust and I saw how it was set up and then my own, you know, my own research and study, I was like, dude, this is just like the birth certificate is a certificate of interest into mm. the trust res. Now you hear people talk about the Sestaki V trust, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wrong. <laughs> not a Cessna PV trust. It's a trust in receivership in a, in a insolvency or a bankruptcy type of situation. Okay. It's not a Cessna key. All Cessna V means is beneficiary. That's all it okay. means. Well, you know how many trusts are out there where there's a beneficiary? I mean, they're all yeah. Cessna trusts, right? Yeah, right, right. The key is for me that I've discovered, and I'll tell you about, you know, why, how I figured this out is that it's a bankruptcy where everything's in bankruptcy. I shouldn't even say bankruptcy. Everything's insolvent. Everyone is insolvent. The United States is insolvent. The United States of America, which is a separate organization of states, mm -hmm. is insolvent. All right. The king, the queen, rather, she's insolvent. Canada, everybody, they're all insolvent. Right. But sovereigns don't file bankruptcy. So you can be insolvent and not be bankrupt. And right. Adversely, you can be bankrupt, but not insolvent. And what does that mean? It means that bankruptcy is merely a protocol. It's an action that you okay. file for the state's help, right? Insolvency just means, you don't have any freaking money. You can't pay your, your debtors, your creditors. Right. Rather. So there are insolvency laws that keep you from going to jail for being a debtor. There are bankruptcy laws that allow you to continue to operate. Sovereigns like the United States, the United States of America, Canada, UK, you know, they don't file bankruptcy. But so how do they pay their creditors back? Well, right. they monetize, they renegotiate the debt and they monetize their whatever, right? Now it's mm -hmm. people is what they monetize, but they yeah. would monetize whatever they could. So negotiable instruments and stuff like that. And I'm saying all this because we're not in bankruptcy, we're insolvent and there's a receivership going on. And receivership means there's a trustee appointed to take all the assets of the insolvent organization mm -hmm. and administrate it so that the organization can continue to function. It can continue mm. doing business, even though it has no money. Gotcha. Okay. That's where they came in in 1933 and everything with, 
Roosevelt and they came up with chapter 11 in bankruptcy. It mirrors insolvency and receivership. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it mirrors an insolvent organization in, in receivership through the bankruptcy process, meaning in the bankruptcy process, they will appoint you a trustee. Mm. Okay. The trustee will gather your assets, okay, as an organization, and he will start to liquidate them or do whatever he can to pay the creditors back. But in chapter 11, the organization is allowed to continue to do business. Right. So it okay. never shuts down, right? Like Trump did and all these big wigs when they claim bankruptcy. Right. What that means is there's a trust estate that's created out of the property. That's your straw man. Okay, your straw man is a debtor with a trust estate because all the property that's owned by the straw man, whether it's paper or even interest, remember, interest is property. So I can have interest like my basses and guitars back there. If I don't own them, but I have an interest in it, my interest in those are property. So, in other words, if I'm a beneficiary of a trust and the trust owns the guitars, I have interest in them. So that's property, right? Right. So interest is property. And this is how the whole straw man thing is operating is the birth certificate, the certificate of live birth, the one you get with the doctor's signature and all that with all the detail. That's like your certificate of title. Okay. okay, Saying you have an interest in the federal person, which is represented by the birth certificate. Mm. There's two different certificates. Jeez. And I found this on, on U.S. birth certificates. I think it's right. usbirthcertificates.org or .com mm-hmm. where they differentiate that a birth yeah. certificate is a federal yes. uh, jurisdiction exactly. and a certificate of live birth is a state, even though they both are printed by the state. Yeah, right. So what that tells me from my research is, yes, the, the federal personnel, and here's why it's called federal personnel, you have a social security number, yes. You mm-hmm. have a social security yep. account, yes. What is that? That's a retirement program, all right? Actually, you don't have it. This thing has yeah. it, right? This org- this insolvent organization has it. Mm-hmm. Now, why do I say federal personnel? Because if you go into the Privacy Act, which is um, five Title V, United States Code, 552, lowercase a. There's 552 and there's Title 552 and Title 552A. Okay, subchapter 552A definitions. You will see that it says federal personnel is any person that receives payments or future payments from any retirement program of the United States government. Hmm. Take that again. Any person... Any, sorry, it's not person, it's individual. When you look up the definition of individual in that chapter, it says a United States citizen. Right, right. right. Uh, United States right. person with the birth certificate. Any individual that receives a payment now or in the future, deferred payments or benefit from a retirement program of the United States government is federal personnel. Okay? Uh-huh. You receive payments or will from Social Security, which is a retirement benefits program of the United States. Therefore, whoever's name is on that card, which is the all capital signification of the federal, it's federal personnel. Right. Okay. So they had, so your straw man, and I hate that term. I I just call it a legal person because that's what it is. Mm -hmm. 
in, in legal terms, it's a legal person, which is artificial. Right? Right. But natural person can be legal person too. But artificial person has uh, is a, is federal personnel, okay? Because it has that account, right? And that account helps administrate or helps it, it helps the flow of all the monetization of the debt for for your debtor, and okay. you are the trustee. You are the receiver. You're the one that has to administrate that account to make sure that the creditors are properly paid. The creditor being the United States, allegedly. But (laughs) here's the switcheroo. You're actually the creditor. Right. Your straw man is the debtor. You're the trustee for the straw man to administrate its business to make sure that the United States is paid. So when you go into court, they're saying, are you going to pay the charges, trustee? Yes or no? Not guilty. Oh, you're not going to pay us? Bring the trial in. All right. Oh, guilty. Thank you for the payment. You dummy. It's all about business. It has nothing to do with anything else. Right. So, Robert, real quick, let me me step in here just real quick. And I wanted to bring this up because um, it's probably circling in Boya's head right now. Uh, A month or so ago, maybe even longer now, we had um, a potential California governor on the show, Daniel Mercury. Mm. Now, Boya met him out in California, which is where I'm from, too at a rad meeting for um, women and mothers that are against child trafficking and stuff like that. So he saw him at this organization and he did a speech and basically he's talking about all these things. So he comes on the show uh, the night before the election and he's telling us all this stuff. And he said that he found out that your birth certificate, a nurse actually told him this. She goes, we send the birth certificate off to the Bureau of of, uh, Vital Statistics. Then they turn that into a bond, that bond, is like an, it's like an American bond and then it goes mm-hmm. to the federal reserve or whatever, then they sell it. And he said, when you see Congress or the Senate or whatever, pass all these bullshit bills, here's $500 billion for this. And then 10 million goes to Sudan and 30 million goes to the you know, Ukraine or whatever. And then 40 billion goes here and there. And he goes, uh, the research that he's done, he believes that they're not, giving money to these people it's these people that have bought the bonds from the united states you know air quotes mm-hmm. and they're calling them in they're saying you those yes. bonds that we bought for you we're calling them in now so congress gets together and they go yeah here's another 100 billion whatever so we send them this money because they're calling in the bonds is that something yeah. that you've come across yourself oh absolutely that's exactly what happens so remember this is bankruptcy fuck. right this is, this is um, <laughs> fuck <laughs> This is bankruptcy and, and it's receivership. So right, yeah, okay, okay, those, just on a obviously a, a much larger scale. So sure, es- essentially the world governments are all working off of the same uh, idea. This is how we're going to trade money, you know. And now is is there, you know, I'll I'll hold the question until you're you're finished because it, it might not be um, the answer I'm looking for might not be related to this. So I'll let you continue. Oh, okay. So yeah, so the bonds are really important because, you know, again, when you look at bankruptcy and how they deal with things like that, all I guarantee you, if you read bankruptcy law, uh, like I keep American jurisprudence on my wall, I just happen to have been gifted a 1996 version. And when I go into the two volumes of bankruptcy, 
I'm telling you, it fits like a glove. Everything that they're doing is like click, 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 right all, all in there. So he's absolutely right. That's exactly what's happening. Okay. But here's the thing. You have the interest in that bond. Right, right. He's telling you that. But how do you capitalize on that interest? Now, you have people out there trying to do 1099As and secured party creditor and, you know, and yeah, some of that stuff works. But the problem is you're the bankruptcy trustee. So if you make a mistake, your ass goes in the clink. And a lot of people are making tons of mistakes because they don't know how to operate like a bankruptcy trustee. There's also an option that you can use to uh, protect yourself from that. Okay. And, and I don't want to get too far into that because again, if I give out secret sauce here, they'll be <laughs> right. there are ways where you can protect yourself from making that mistake mm-hmm. when you have a trustee that is knowledgeable on how to do that transaction or those right. transactions. Okay. It was once told to us, a friend of mine, I should say not us, but a friend of mine who reiterated it to me, um, I shouldn't even say a friend of mine. It was an acquaintance that I met years ago and I, and I haven't talked to him. We would exchange information back and forth sometimes because look, man, my neighbor's a retired judge and I picked his brain and he said, you guys, all you freedom guys are making this way too hard. All you need is a private business trust and a birth certificate. Go into the bank, ask them for so much. Don't get crazy. Don't go in there asking for $20 million and do the deal. And he said, and that's all I'm going to tell you. And I was like, shit, man, what does that mean? Well, now all these years full circle, I know exactly what that means and how it works because I've got people using my paperwork that have discharged their mortgages over millions of dollars in debt. Wow. Just to the bank. Like, now, you know. Robert, let me ask you about the trust because uh, there's another individual that, that we've um, done some research on. We played a clip of him on our show when we were doing kind of this red pill round table and he was talking about trusts and um, different kinds of trust and stuff like that. And that was really the first time I think we had even been introduced to it. I've heard stories. I don't know if this is true or not, but people putting um, these types of trust together and then even putting their kids in the trust. Mm-hmm. And I have heard the stories of, um, you know, CPS getting involved for whatever these reasons. And then they, they got the kids back. You know, they, they took the kids and they got the kids back because the child was protected under a trust. Mm-hmm. Is that, you know, like a, a far-fetched story on the internet or are there things like that that you can do? You can put people in trust. So then they're. You can't put people in trust. You can only put interest in trust. Okay. You're putting the interest of the straw man in the trust. Yeah. I did it with my son. And when they tried to label him with ADHD and tell him we can't give him any extra educational support unless we have him diagnosed, and they pulled me into this big meeting with like, you know, 10 school heads and they're yep. all trying to get me to authorize him to be diagnosed. I said, well, I appreciate all you guys. You did a great job explaining this. I totally understand. I said, however, he belongs in a trust or his estate is in a trust. And I'm going to have to talk to the trustees before I give you guys an answer. And it was like, close. Have a nice day. Mr. <laughs> Come in. Oh, yeah, you too. And two weeks later, they gave him every benefit without wow. ever having diagnosed him at all yeah so 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 essentially if they know that you know it's less of a headache for them to just give you what you want then huh well they'll be in breach of trust if they don't and then they'll be the ones you know liable for the debt and they Mm -hmm. don't want to be liable for the see the school of course in that situation was just trying to get funding 
Right. For, yeah. Because you know, the more the more kids they diagnose, the more funding they get. Yeah. Weird how that works, even, huh? Yeah. Exactly. Well, but, with everything, that that's why everything is tied to Social Security because yeah. Social Security authorizes the funding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Through the I, act. I tried very hard. Boy, don't forget your point there. I tr- I yeah. tried very hard with my wife to n- convince her to not get our son a birth certificate or Social Security number, and she was like. You know, it's going to be so hard. He's going to have to do all these things. So he was almost a total free human being. I will say small victory, though. He is unvac- unvaccinated. So thank God for that. Yeah. That's healthy as a fucking horse, too. Uh, boy, what was your massive point? Kid. Massive kid. Um, so essentially, because, I mean, anybody that doesn't know, they got to understand that most of these companies, you know, the school district, the state. They, they're even the federal government. They're all working off of contract law and not common law. So, so once you hit him with that, he's into a state, and you, you know, I got to go talk to the trustee. That's why they shit their pants, is because this is outside of their realm of understanding. They're used to dealing with contract law situations, and they probably understand enough common law to know, you know, that what you said is over their head. So let's wave the white flag and move on before it gets too messy. Yeah. And the the trust is really important because that scares them because even the attorneys aren't familiar with trusts, right? Right, right. They get all squirmy. And if if they are familiar, they're not familiar with one specific type of trust that, Mm -hmm. you know, that I use, of course. And I've heard some other people using different ecclesiastic, they call them trusts and things like that, which rightfully so. I mean, if it works, it works. But I particularly know that the one trust is recognized by those who use them which is those guys <laughs> you right, know yeah right so, and not all of them only those that are in the boys club you know yeah. so, and that's what i was getting ready to make the point of you know in my case yeah. was i wanted to know why this case was all all of a sudden just dismissed right mm-hmm. but then it dawned on me i was i had put together a whole packet of stuff and sent it to a probate judge one of the things in the packet was my birth certificate which I turned into a valuable instrument of $5 million and issued it out of, I had exchanged it into a trust and then the trust issued it to the state. Mm. And, and so I went back and looked, wait a minute, when did that judge probate judge, no less in Maryland, not, not a South Carolina judge in Maryland. When did that judge receive my birth certificate and my documents? It was three days before that case was dismissed. Oh, shit. Three days later, that case was dismissed in South Carolina. And at the time, I didn't want to believe it. It took me like several more months of research to find out that that is actually what dismissed my case and Jim's case. Jim was in federal prison, so he didn't even know the state case was dismissed until he got out. uh, Because it dismissed both of our cases because I paid off the account, essentially. Um, but it didn't dawn on me how that all worked until later, you know, a couple of years later when I reverse engineered everything. And I was like, oh, that's why. Like I knew enough to get it through. Mm-hmm. But the, the funny thing was, is I didn't send it to the judge with that in mind. Right. What I sent it to the judge for was, hey, dude, I got all these bills and all like I'm issuing this to you. I want all the debts relieved. Well, none of those types of debts got relieved. Mm. But the case did. And the case in South Carolina on the disposition sheet where it was dismissed, where it said judge, the attorney general signed off on it. Okay. now, if you know how the bankruptcy works or the let's just call it bankruptcy instead of insolvency. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. 
the the attorney generals are the bankruptcy trustees. Okay. Yeah. So they're the they're the receivers. They're the trustees the, in receivership. So that's why we tell everybody, you're going to send it somewhere. You send it to the attorney general because they're the ones that are supposed to do the transaction because they're the trustee. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's usually who I deal with. And that's who okay, I dealt with wow. in, in uh, Kansas who ignored everything. And boy, they're having a little trouble with that in federal court at the moment. Again, <laughs> nobody's responded. Right, right. Well, now, that's what I was going to ask you leading up to, you know, the, the later half of the show here. Um, what happened in Kansas? You, you, uh, cause I was listening to the live video when you were talking about it. And at the time, by the way, mad respect for you being a tradesman, uh, boy and myself are both in trades, uh, boy is a mechanic. I'm an electrician. Nice. Um, so the, the, you got pulled over, they busted your window, they fucked God with some damn. videotape the, and that went before the, you know. I will admit that I know for sure, like where I live, it's kind of a rural suburban. I live in Johnson County. It's probably the most liberal county to live in, which I didn't know until I fucking got out <laughs> here. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> um, but um, like 30 minutes south of where I live, there's nothing until you hit Oklahoma. Right. You know, there's it's like Bucyrus and then cows and then you're in like. You hit a dirt road and then you're like, welcome to Oklahoma, you know, <laughs> so um, you're in this good old boy town and, and some, some stuff transpires. And I will say that I, I actually was telling boy this a few weeks ago that I had worked with an electrician out here. I met him on a job and he's telling me all these crazy stories because he did two years in the pen. Well, when he was in there, he had cut a deal with the warden. And he goes, we were moving drugs for the warden. And this was in Tennessee. He was locked up at the penitentiary where it had the Guinness Book of World Records second largest fire. And he was telling me the story about it. And he said that the fire had broke out, killed a bunch of people, killed a bunch of inmates. The people, it was during visiting hours. Hmm. He said that. The people that were visiting some of the, the inmates there were going to present evidence to the pro state prosecutor's office to blow the whistle on the guards, on the warden, because it was a small, smaller town, but they ran everything. Right. right? So he's telling me all this stuff. And I was I was blown away. So, uh, you know, I could fully get that in a small town like that, the sheriff's uncles with this person and that, and they hang out, you know what I mean? They're all in the clan together or whatever the fuck. So, you know, they go to the, they're, they're the seven people that show up to the meeting every week. Right. Um, they're all humping sheep out back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so what, so what transpired in, in Kansas? So uh, my girlfriend and I at the time, um, we're not together anymore, but we were driving through Kansas going to this event uh, out in Wichita from Arizona. And uh, it was just speeding. And we were watching uh, a YouTube. Now, she was new to all this stuff for the most part. Right. She's right. getting it all from me, of course. And uh, we were watching this YouTube about traffic stops and stuff. And I knew that what this guy was saying has some merit, but it doesn't work that easily. For whatever reason, not even 20 minutes later after that YouTube, you know get pulled over for speeding. And she's like, well, you know, you want to try it out? I'm like, look, I have a license. Like I can't do the travel thing because I have a license. You know, you right, can't do right. you have tags in your car. Well, that was her car. It wasn't my tags, but, but I had a license on it. But I was, I was like, yeah, we're going to, I'm going to take a different approach. I'm going to take the approach of protecting the federal trust. 
because mm. this guy is going to ask me for information and identification that only leads back to that trust with some kind of charge. So I'm just going to hold him at bay and tell him, you know, um, well, first I asked him, you know, the first thing that happened was he pulls me over and he says, I need you to follow me down the road so I can catch that guy too. do 65 <laughs> follow me down the road so I can just to be fair. And I'm like, boy, this boy came with a full box of rocks, man. Damn. Wow. I'm, I'm flipping a beat. I'm, I'm flipping. Yeah. I'm right behind you, sir. And I just turn around and go the other way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so what happens to your probable cause? You can't say yeah. you pulled me over for probable cause of a crime because you were going to freely let me go down the road and follow you. Dude, right. you're now, you know, committing a crime. Exactly. So there goes that, right? Yeah. So I said, no, sir, I'm sorry. I, I can't do that. He goes, well, since now you held me up. He's like, you know, a license of registration, please. I said, well, I'm sorry, sir. Am I under arrest? He's like, license of registration. But I said, no, I need your badge number. I need your name and badge number. License of registration, please. I said, sir. I'm telling you, I need your badge number and you know who you are. Am I under arrest? No, you're not under arrest. Okay, am I free to go? No, you're not free to go. Okay, well, then this is an investigation and I'm going to remain silent. I'm sorry, but I can't give you that identification because I know what you're looking for. And as a matter of fact, I do have a license. I kept the window down like that far and my, and my yeah. girl recorded the whole thing. And I said, yeah, here, look, see? And I held it up to the window right before he could read the name. I took it down. <laughs> I told you I got a license. You know, so what's the problem here? You're investigating me now because I'm not under arrest. You have me in a custodial investigation here. Well, so we went round and round and round and round and round. Then I got on the phone with this lieutenant and I went over it with him. And and the guy admits to me, he goes, yeah, well, technically, yeah, we don't need to see a license. He goes, all we really need is your name, your address and birthday. Again, right? All links mm -hmm. back. This is like now we're like an hour into being on the side road. <laughs> it's like for speeding. Right. He's like, listen, we don't need your license. We just need like a retinal scan, a blood sample. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not Can you just pee in this, please? But 80 in a 65. Like, dude, yeah. like not even that fast speeding, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, technically, based on common law, crime has not been committed. Never. There's no injured party. No, yeah, exactly. There's no damage. There's no, it's, see, when, when you look up, elements of crime online, legal elements. Of, they only give you two. They say uh, mens rea and uh, actus reus, right? Which is uh, the intention and the act, right? Mm -hmm. I intended to commit to do that act to harm someone. Yeah. It'll tell you that somebody has to be harmed. Like, duh, exactly. of course somebody has to be harmed, right? It'll tell yeah. you that. Right. So yeah. we call the attorney, right? We don't need that. What do you mean you don't need it? I even brought it up in court. I said, where is the damaged party? You need an injury or a damage. Where's the damages? She's like, oh, it's in the complaint. He's not in the complaint. He didn't break down how they were damaged and where the damages yeah. exists. Like, so anyway, it just became on the side of the road. It became this I'm just going to remain silent without counsel. I don't have my counsel here. And you're investigating me. I have a constitutionally protected right to have counsel and remain silent here. So I just stuck to that. I didn't know where I was going with it. I just knew, man, this is going to get pretty big. Like, I'm yeah. just going to keep riding this out. No, I'm not doing the sovereign citizen right to travel shit. Fuck no. I know <laughs> that's all they're doing is calling me sovereign. Oh, yeah which they he, did. He probably radioed you. Yeah, got a sovereign, got a sovereign. Oh, yeah. probably. No, that when they showed the video of him, 
in his car. That's all it was. Sovereign citizen, sovereign citizen. He's trying to escalate this. He wants to escalate this. Really? All I said is I can't say anything. And you've got seven officers here with guns. Yeah. Who's escalating this? Well, you got, you know, nowadays silence is violence. So (laughs) (laughs) that's true. I saw it on the bumper sticker. I saw it on the bumper sticker. Robert, you bastard. Some blue, some blue haired old lady had it on. On the back of her Subaru. Seven cop, bike strips <laughs> under the tires, you know, wow. a dog. I mean, who's escalating this? Wow. Right? All yeah. feeding. That's Robert, crazy. you know what you should have done? You should have picked up your phone very loudly and been like, I know. Pushing the cigarette lighter. No, no, no. I'm telling you, man, it was it was just nuts. So, of course, you know, they had enough and they called in this asshole that came, this this old trooper who I put on the stand and, you know, made him look like a real idiot for his 30 <laughs> years of experience. And um, he broke the window and they, you know, wanted to wow. wrestle me. Again. I'm like, oh, yeah, you don't have to wrestle me, dude. I get OK. We're at this point. Let me step out. You know, so I stepped yeah. I, um, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, cooperated with them the whole time after that. I'm yeah. like, I'm not here to fight you guys. I'm just telling you, I'm protecting a federal trust account that you don't even know exists. And you guys have no idea what you're doing. And then one of, so there were three of the police officers' videos used as evidence. And it's funny because they didn't have body cams, by the way. This was so podunk, they didn't have body cams. They just had car Damn. cam. Yeah, so all all the evidence is their voices, right? Because it was so windy, you couldn't hear anything, but then you couldn't hear me and what I was saying. All you could hear was that. And we had her video, but I didn't submit it as evidence. And I know Mm. they were scratching their head on that. Like, why is he not submitting this? And they kept saying, like, when he was on on the radio, on his video, he kept saying, you know, uh, or or his the officers would come to the window. They're like, hey, man, he's recording that. You're going to be a YouTube star. Dude, I never, <laughs> never put that thing on social media at all. Nothing. None yeah. of that video ever went to social media. So that was one of the things after they played his evidence video when he was on the stand. I said, did you ever see yourself on YouTube on any of my YouTube channels? No. I'm like, yeah, you look like a real dummy now, don't you? In front of the jury here. Yeah, you got yeah. sovereign citizen. This is what he's going to do. No. Sorry, wrong guy. Right. And the jury was like stacked against me. I mean, three of the six jurors, because it was a misdemeanor trial, right? It's a petty yeah. jury. They got three of them knew the police officers, of course. you know, like, or the sheriff. They were somehow related to the local police, yeah. right? And it was just a scam. The whole thing was a joke. But they were, the jury was, st- got it. They got into it. They were like, whoa, what? what, what, what? Especially yeah. when I pulled the one video out and showed them that it, it had been tampered with. I'm like, your evidence is tampered with. Yeah. And they tried to brush it right wow. under the rug. I'm like, oh, this is going to be good in federal court. Hell yeah. There's no way a digital video plays the same 30-second frame a minute and a half later. Wow. That's not a glitch. Uh-oh. Okay. Uh-oh. It repeated 30 seconds of footage a minute and a half later. Man, right? and what was it? Sovereign says the guy saying it's a sovereign says like it was like they tampered with it to kept so that it kept saying sovereign citizen, right? And yeah, they tampered with it so poorly that it's so easy to see 
that it's tampered with, right? Man. Wow. So, so this, so this is the case that's moving into a federal court. Is that correct? Well, okay. So I haven't even filed a federal claim on them yet. What okay. I did was because I knew they were going to give me some kind of jail time. I could just see it. You know, the judge yeah. was like, they were just salivating, like, oh, let's show this out of towner. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That the uh, day before the two day trial began, I wrote a habeas corpus. Uh, to put into federal court. Mm -hmm. But this was not a normal habeas corpus because a normal habeas corpus, you have to appeal your judgment first okay. with the higher court of the state, let them refuse you, and then you can file your habeas corpus in the federal. And you have to do it in the district that Kansas belongs to. I didn't do that. I didn't do either. Okay. Because I, and, and, the reason I didn't do it had to be in my habeas corpus. Now, mind you, dude, I'm in Kansas. It's the day before the trial. And I'm thinking, I better write this thing. Not only do I have to write it, I got to research it because I haven't yeah. written a habeas corpus yet. So I had to research it and write it. Right. So I came up with 14 grounds for removal into federal jurisdiction. And what I said was this is being written before my jail sentence, which Never happens in a habeas corpus, right? Because you got to be sentenced. You got to go through. And I said, the reason I'm not going through the administrative process through your court system is because at my pre-trial conference, there was a judge sitting in the audience who revealed himself to us and said, well, I'm a judge. I see this all the time. So wow. why am I going to go to your higher court when that could potentially be a judge from the higher court? I'm already prejudiced. Yeah, right. Absolutely, yeah. You've already prejudiced the judge herself prejudiced me at the damn bond hearing. So, mm. you know, or at the, uh, yeah, the bond hearing. And now I have another, so no, this, I'm not going through the administrative process. Right. And then, uh, I filed it in Arizona, which is not Kansas's district. So my point for that was I am domiciled as an American in Arizona. Y'all need to come get me. Right mm. now my sentence was only two weeks, but yeah. I'm on unsupervised probation. So the habeas still stands because that's a restriction of my liberties. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the habeas went into the federal court July 9th. What's today? August uh, 8th. August, or sorry, June 9th. June 9th. Yeah. Today is the 8th. Mm -hmm. There has been no movement. It's really? Sitting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because I pulled everything again. This is all, and and they and it's in there under the right. So you can only remove cases for very specific reasons. One mm -hmm. is federal question jurisdiction. Well, that's what I had in there. This is all federal question because there's all federal property involved. Right. What I did was once I got home, I researched how to amend it because it was sloppy because I had written it so fast, and even mm -hmm. though it did its job, so I amended it. And made it even more. And I came up with like 25 grounds, you know, amended the petition and then asked the court to seal it. Mm. And why am I doing that? Because if I seal that case, that lets them know I'm not willing to put this birth certificate information, all this stuff, you know, out into the public right. so that someone else can utilize it. Right, I get right. it. You guys need to be protected. I'm administrating the trust the proper way, I'm protecting you, protecting everybody seal this and i've still have yet to see it's just sitting in federal court wow so, hmm. on a habeas corpus no less again why didn't they just you know dismiss yeah, it exactly right, right. but That's here's really my backup. if they don't if they dismiss it and i 
then they don't accept my objection when they do dismiss. That's fine. I'm just going to turn around and file a tort claim and sue them that way. So it doesn't matter. Like they can do whatever they want. I'm just yeah. sitting here playing with it. Like, yeah, you're, you're just waiting right. to see what their next move is. Yeah, whenever you yeah. guys are ready over there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Serve. right. I served it. What are you guys doing here? Right. Yeah. yeah. Now, because um, I do have a question for you, but something I wanted to bring up. So we have uh, had a couple of guests on our show. They've been on twice. They're scheduled to come on a third time. They were supposed to actually come on a couple of weeks ago. I got literally sick and the whole family did with the Black Plague. So we had to reschedule. <laughs> Gentlemen by the name of Corey Ibe and Todd McGreevy. Now, they've been on the show before. And um, their website is a, a agenda. Shit, boy, what is it? Agenda is it? 30, 30, 30, 30, agenda 30, 30 or so. 31, something like that. I believe Corey has a case going before the federal uh, court system coming up very soon. Um, and when we had him on the show, him and Todd, they were talking about he discovered a lot of things that you did in some different ways. But he's like, there's two state governments. Mm -hmm. yeah, and when he was living in California, yeah, yeah, California and state of California. So when oh, he was absolutely. living in California, he was issued California exempt plates from the DMV. And he's like, mm -hmm. yeah, I used to roll with no license for a long time. I had I had California exempt plates. And he's like, I've kind of gone, I've gotten back into the system. And he's like, I would purposely kind of like slowly, safely run a stoplight so I could get a citation, so I could go to court, so I could press this issue further with the research that he's done. And um, it was really fascinating because it's a lot of what Daniel Mercury was saying, too. He's mm -hmm. like, yeah, there's, there's two state governments. And then, yeah. you know, I, I, I kind of a little bit understand the difference between like, uh, you know, a, a citizen of the United States and then a uh, United States national and how you want to be. There's different things that you want to operate in. And a lot of it's very complex. And I think with this topic, a lot of times that kind of hangs people up is the, the fear or the threat of going to jail for doing right. one little thing wrong. Um, so that was like a long intro for my question. Maybe it's a maybe it's an easy question for with an easy answer or a, a long answer, right? Let's just say an individual gets a letter in the mail from we'll just make it easy a credit card company. This credit card has is three hundred dollars. You owe three hundred dollars, and it's gone into collections, right? Okay, is there like a quick easy fix that can't get you in trouble? You send a letter, you send them a picture of your butthole, and tell them to fuck off. Or whatever it is you do, is there something like that that people could test the waters? to to see how this system operates yeah i mean that that would get more into like understanding debt collection and and all of that stuff which i used to um write documents for a debt dispute company um the thing with that is first thing you have to look at is am i employed by someone hmm. because and the reason i say this is let's take it to the extreme they sue okay. you right? right now the judge gives a judgment garnish your wages Hmm. So that's one situation you want to look out for. If you work for yourself, and eh, no problem, you know, hmm. yeah, fine. Keep sending me the bill. I'll just pay somebody to wipe it off my credit report. They really right. don't have to do anything because okay. they can never garnish you. So it really depends on the situation you're in. So if you're in the employment situation, you know, you may want to start rebutting that debt, you know. Can I please see the signed contract? Uh, I accept your offer. So in, in contract law, okay, everything is contract law. There are three ways to honor a contract, okay? Accept it and pay it, no matter what, 
right? Conditionally accept it, okay? Which is a counter offer. Or you can refuse it for cause if there's a defect. Hmm. So one of the things I would, like one of the things that I've done in response, now I've done this with all different stuff, not just with debt, but one of the things I respond with is, um, hey, thank you for your letter. Uh, you know, it appears that you have uh, some information here that's ambiguous, okay, and deficient. And mm. I would be more than happy to process your claim provided you clear the ambiguity and the deficiency. Mm. And then I start listing out the ambiguities. And the right. well, you know, I don't understand. Is this legal language or is this standard English? Because I don't understand legal language. I don't understand what this word here means. Please clarify within so many days so I may process your claim. If you don't clarify within so many days, then I will assume you have no claim. Mm. Right? Next line. I see here that you have a name at the top. I don't recognize this name. When I looked on the internet, there is a name registered in another uh, state with a social security number and everything with this name. It's not you, right? It's your straw man. Right, right. But you're not saying, you're not getting into straw man, all that stuff. Please clarify who exactly is the recipient, who, you know, who holds the contract, so right. on and so forth. And I would go about it like that and just keep blowing it apart and say, if you don't respond to me in 14 days or whatever, three days, five days, whatever the case may be, nothing less than three, and clear these ambiguities and, de and deficiencies, I cannot process your claim. And uh, I will use this in a court of law to show that you, your deficiencies and your ambiguities, uh, you know, have not been cured. Right. Okay. Certified mail, return receipt, CFO. That's who it goes to. Bam. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people talk about sending it to the CFO of, of whatever company you're dealing with. Um, I've done one myself from years ago. Something had gone into collections from when I was like 18. I'm 32 now. Right. And mm -hmm. it's been on there. And I and then I started getting letters and it was from a collection agency. And I simply said, one, can you validate the debt for me? And two, can you show me the contract with my wet signature stating that I will pay your company this amount of alleged debt with your signature on it and they're like okay cases have been discharged no you know we won't <laughs> send you any letters anymore right so that's a good that's another good one to put in there you know i don't see a valid contract this is very ambiguous because i don't see a valid contract it's deficient i don't see a say yeah those are all points to use and mm -hmm. when you hit them with like 10 15 points man they don't want to do business with you right, i right. mean I've done that for PMAs that were getting attacked by the state saying we have, uh, you know, a, a, a anonymous uh, complaint that you're running a school operation over there. OK, great. Thank you. Please let us know who the anonymous party is so that we can take this up with them in equity and do what's right and we can process your claim. Please define school. Uh, please define, you know, this is ambiguous. Define the. Yeah. That, but also saying please. So we, and, and I always say, so we can process your claim because that's what it is. It's just a claim. I'll process it, whatever that means. If you can show me a statute that says your state has a right to interfere with private contract between private parties with private property, please make sure the statute uses the word private. Mm -hmm. 
Wow. It's over. Because yeah. there's no statute out there because it's all public. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. You know. Now, Robert, let me ask you this before we kind of get towards the end of the show and we'll get a chance to talk about your website and where people can find you and sign up for you. And I kind of get a little bit more into what um, they can they can see and, and, and discover there. Um, is it possible to actually own the deed or would it be the deed or the title of the land that you live on? Not being um, listed as a tenant, but owner of, you know, if I own I, my house, I'm a tenant, but I'm not. Right. I believe it's possible. So there's land patents, but you can only get land patents in the in the West. You can't really get, if you live in the 13 colonies, you can't get a land patent. Mm -hmm. um, there is, I do believe there is a way. Have I done it? No, I just don't have time to focus on that because I don't have a no. house. But okay. I, yes, I do believe there's a way. And again, it's about the bankruptcy, organi you know, uh, organizing that and structuring it properly and talking to the right head, which would be the attorney general mm -hmm. and say, look, we got, we got problem here. We got ambiguities, ambiguities and deficiencies. If we have ambiguities and deficiencies, this is a very serious legal problem. Mm -hmm. And if you can't clarify it, then, you know, you give me the title free and clear, you, you know, uh, so on and so forth. How I would do that. I, I, again, I just haven't had time to, sure. to add, you would use all of those tools right, to, to do that you know, and then say, look, if I've paid this house off, I should have it in a lodium. But clearly, well, and this is for a paid off situation. Clearly, I don't because I'm a tenant. <laughs> so, you know, right. what's going on here. So, yeah. yeah. And the problem with that is the original deed. So you can also go way, way back. You have to go to the county. It's very hard to search land records like that because of the way that they change over time and stuff. You'd probably need the help of the clerk and you get into the land records and keep tracing it back all the way until you find an owner, you know, a real owner, not a tenant mm -hmm. on the deed. And then you would have to take a copy of that deed and see if there's some way you could actually accept and acknowledge that deed as transferred to you. Now, I don't know how that would work, but that's where I would probably begin to go back in time and find out who had the land at what point. Yeah. You know? and, and the reason I bring that up, I was listening to another show and, and this uh, guy was talking about the fact that this idea that, you know, a lot of people believe that we live free in the United States. I mean, yeah, like I'm free to go get my mail right now, you know, that type <laughs> of thing. But dude, if, if you own a home, they can take it. You yeah. know, they, they, you have a car, they can repo it. They mm -hmm. have, you have kids, they can take them. Well, I mean, you know, even they, when you like, like you talk about earlier, garnishing wages, they don't even have to let you know that they're garnishing wages. You nope. just get your check with missing money. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So I've stopped garnishments too um, by letting the bank or letting the, the employer or the bank know that, hey, if you authorize this, I'm coming after you. Like, I did right. not authorize you to touch the straw man's account, you know? Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, oh, like I, we had that with a guy for um, child support. They were going to yeah. garnish his account and they haven't touched it. It's been three years now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I a letter to the bank and say, I don't think so. And then we sent his birth certificate and everything to the attorney general. We're like, uh, paid, right? Yeah. Yeah. We told you put a million dollars in his account. Have you done that yet? I doubt you have, but he hasn't heard a word. It's been yeah. three years. Yeah, I used to work with a guy. So apparently this guy, he would he would work like, you know, so much time at a job and then leave before they figure out he's got a full time job and start garnishing his wages over child support issues. 
And so we had some guys like, Hey, where's so-and-so, you know, we tell him like, Oh yeah, apparently he's having some, some child support issues. He left all of these guys all understood the straw man, all understood how to stop garnishment pages or uh, garnish wage garnishments all because they all owed child support at one certain time or another. And they figured out. Yeah. And it was, it was shocking. First of all, it was shocking to me how many people I work with that owed child support. But second of all, it was shocking to me how much they knew about the process to stop it. And they're wow. like, man, if he had mentioned something to me, I could have wrote, wrote him up a letter and he would have been good to go. And, you know, when when it when it finally pressed him, obviously, you know, they come into contact with a situation where now their money's being messed with. All of a the sudden, they're like law professors and they figured it all out on their own and they right. stopped it all. You know what I mean? And that's right. the thing, man. Those of us who are advanced in this are advanced because we've had situations where we had to figure it out. Yeah. Right? We couldn't pay an attorney. We didn't have the money. And, mm-hmm. you know, we just wanted to know. And I actually do. Common sense is all you need to yeah. study stuff that's why right. attorneys suck because none yeah. of them have common sense right yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and, and most people are, are stuck in this way of well these guys know the law they went to law school you know the judge oh, knows what he's talking you know what i mean we'll cut so you a deal condi- exactly they've been yeah. conditioned to just take the punishment as it is not knowing that it's completely against the law you know these these people don't understand that this that that court is working off a contract law and not common law you know they 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 don't know that there's a difference no they really don't and i mean look in in terms of land and stuff let's let's take it back to the root man i mean how was america discovered Mm -hmm. under the doctrine of discovery read it what's the doctrine of discovery says it says that well first off it started with the vatican and they wrote a papal bull that said anything west of the azores um you know belongs to spain okay Mm. and if we go anywhere west and we find life there and any other humans we can kill them if they're not christians right and we can take their land because they're not christian they're barbarians right Mm -hmm. doctrine of discovery okay and they wrote this right after they sent numbnuts over here uh columbus okay <laughs> they send columbus over here he's like oh yeah i landed in jamaica you know they're like oh okay, whatever like bahamas and um he goes back of course and they're like well shit we better you know make sure we capitalize on this so yeah there's no christians there you can kill them you know and that's what they did so they yeah. stole the land it's ne- it was never there and i love this shirt that i see because i'm on the i get a bunch of um native american uh pages on my instagram stuff and this mm-hmm. one shirt says you know no one is free on stolen land and i'm like fucking right it's exactly <laughs> right no yeah, right because right. it's stolen it's yeah. so when i look at this stuff i go okay well who's in charge of that who's the trustee of that well the pope is because yeah. the pope took the keys from peter right and is waiting peter was given the keys from jesus jesus was given the keys from king david Okay, mm-hmm. so so on. It's, that's why when you look at the the uh, St. Peter's Basilica in Rome from an aerial view, it's a big lock with a key. The yeah. whole building is a lock with a key because they're telling you we're the ones who yeah. are holding all this down. You know, that's why it's so important that we understand this has got to go higher because the yeah. governments of today are the governments of old and they'll never work. They that's will right, right. never work. 
Right. So when people talk about bringing back the Republic and doing all, I laugh. I'm like, for what? Why, why yeah. would you want to bring back a Roman construct? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It should have never been here to begin with. Yeah. yeah it's, system is what you need. It, it's mm-hmm. kind of funny because um, I, I would say within the last month or so, I've really started to understand the concept of what exactly money is and how, how it it's, it's operated since since uh, the inception of the Federal Reserve. And there was this guy that was talking about it on YouTube. He's a former um, a former IRS agent or something like that. And he's like, I got out of the system. And uh, he, he broke it down in this way that just kind of made sense in my head. And to the point that you were making just a second ago about bringing back this old style of rule. And, you know, this is why I kind of laugh when they're like, I, I mean, look at the national debt. Just look at it. I'm like, who fucking cares? Like, who cares? Right. But it's he broke it down as like, okay, if I'm if I'm the Federal Reserve, I print make money, right? Bank comes to me and says, I need $20 to loan out because some people would like to buy a house. I said, okay, perfect. Here's $20. Now I'm gonna need the interest on that. They go, oh, perfect, great, whatever. So they give all the money out and then they come back to the, the Federal Reserve, the bank does, and says, We don't have enough money to pay you that interest that we borrowed. So the Federal Reserve says, no problem. Here's another 20. Great. So we loan that out. So they make some money back and they go, here's that initial 20 on the interest we owed you. But we still can't pay the initial payment, the initial amount that we borrowed, because there's only $40 in circulation. So <laughs> then they just print, oh, yeah, here's some more for next year. And then it just and it keeps going and keeps going. So in my head, it, it worked where I'm like, it doesn't matter how much money they print inflation. Right. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't affect us, right? I'm just saying when they talk about, oh, we're going to stop the, the the debt clock and we're going to pay it all back. And what happens if China says they want all their money? It doesn't fucking matter. No, there's right. not, they're just, it's just numbers on a computer. It doesn't, you know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's, it doesn't. So, you know, if we go back, I don't know how much, you know, like, uh, stuff you guys have read in religious texts and stuff. But if you've ever read the book of Enoch, I love the book of Enoch. You know, a lot of people shit on it, but I'm like, no way, man. No, there's a reason they kept it out of the Bible. Right. Uh, and, and it tells you, it. right? What, what was yeah. one of the main things that the angels did when they fell? They they introduced humans to money, right? Mm. Money, Taught magic, and angel dick. Yeah. Taught them how to fight. Taught them money, vanity. Like, yeah, hello, we don't need any of this shit. That's called the tree of knowledge. We were supposed to be the tree of life, which meant we just allow things to unfold because we're yeah. protected, we'll figure it out, right? Right. Didn't go down that way. So, yeah, I'm with you, man. It's like, we don't need any of that. The whole thing's an illusion. It's yeah. all an illusion. Yeah. And and the illusion's crumbling, and it will continue to crumble. And that's why we're all waking up to do all these awesome things, right? Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And that's leading into house of marcus and so it's not just the house of marcus uh it's also unity of divine creation and we're getting ready to start the shim society which is shm which is aramaic for the life force that flows through all things it's the aramaic root word Mm. uh for the kingdom of heaven which is malkuta dishmai and the shem is the uh root word so what i'm getting with that is like we house of marcus is basically an educational center that we put together under our church, right? Okay. So we have a church because we know that that's where the spirit is and we're protected in that. And we run it according to the Bible mm. uh, because we know that the Bible is the bylaws of earth incorporated. So right. you know, if you're, if you're able to decipher the Bible rather than read it as a religion and 
get, right. you know, stop believing the stupid bullshit that they tell mm -hmm. you is in there because it's really not. Right, right. And you can really see that, oh, yeah, this thing does match the earth and I'm going to play by those rules. Right. Let us to the next level. So the church functions with the House of Marcus, M-A-R-K-U-S, by the way, dot org. And not yeah, see you. Let me run it here. It was running on the ticker here. Yeah, you you'll, you'll, you'll get a leather bondage company if you put MAR. <laughs> I mean, if that's the thing, that's cool. But right? you know, that's, someone's that's gonna be like, like, oh shit, I don't know if this is the right website, but let me bookmark this. <laughs> yeah. Damn, they need some freaky shit over here. Yeah. So uh, and then what we're doing there is we're trying to educate people about all these different pieces because we have brand new we got beginners and we've got experienced people so that's a hard range for us to try to you know cover but we're doing right. it and what we're doing is we're building the community we're putting it together whereas a lot of these other guys uh that are teaching like a lot of the law stuff i noticed they have memberships so mm -hmm. that you can buy their paperwork you can right. you know get out of jail free card and all this stuff and we don't do that like it's called a white privilege card robert <laughs> yeah it's like you know hey man I'm, i joined the spc club secure by credit i joined this club i'm learning 1099 a's I'm, See y'all in jail. Because <laughs> half the time, these people, uh, not half the time, a lot of the times we get members coming in that have had experiences with these people. Mm. And they're like, dude, it, it destroyed everything I had, man. I almost lost it all. I'm like, yeah, I know. That's because you don't know what you're doing. Neither do they. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So House of Marcus isn't about that. We're about, you know, the, the, we have a month, a minimum monthly membership dues. And I'll tell you, man, I offer the trust on there the way that I designed it. And that thing, man, I had to pay 2,500 bucks for it. And I mean, our members, you know, we asked for a thousand dollar donation for it. And dude, it's worth its weight in gold. It's one of the best trusts I've ever seen. I look at these guys. I've looked at guys that are selling $9,000 trusts. Dude. Wow. I mean, and they bring it to me and I look at it and I'm like, wow, what Damn. a piece shit wow. <laughs> Whoa, okay. yeah like well I, you, you you gotta think because recently you know all of this has kind of been ramping up like you could go to youtube and find millions of videos about 1099 a's and all this other shit so i mean there's bound to be predators out there taking advantage of people like your parents who are especially elderly people who are on you know the block for losing their home and everything that they've worked their entire life for and some scam artist comes along and says, you give me this much and I'll get you your home back. And then they're gone. You know what yep. I mean? So totally. I hear it all the time. Yeah. Because you know, we're, 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 we're looking at, at most likely hitting a, a, another depression, if not a really bad recession here pretty soon. And all of these people who, who own homes and, and, and aren't making enough to cover their, their uh, bills a lot of them are going to get taken advantage of by people who are like, just fill out this 1099A form, you know, uh, sign here, here, and here, and you're good to go. Yep. And next thing you know, not only have they lost all their shit, but now they're in jail. <laughs> right. Yeah. And penniless because you and, gave the last little bit of your money to some boob who exactly. just like, totally now, screwed up. I will say this, um, Robert, before we, we kind of end the show tonight, we did have a guest on the show. Um, his name was Coach M.T. Hurd, and he was talking about the 1099A, mm -hmm. one of the steps of stuff that he teaches, right? Um, but he was very cautious with it. I actually wasn't on the episode. Uh, Boya and our other uh, co-host, Chris, was taking care of it. But he was like, if you fuck this up, yeah, you will go to jail. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. there's, yeah, you know. And 
And and and the good thing, the cool thing about uh, what, co- what Coach Hurts said was not only if you fuck this up, you're going to go to jail, was, you know, this isn't something that you just hear about and then go out and try. You have to do put the work in, you know, do the research, make sure everything you're filling out is, is to the T, the way it needs to be. Um, and he said, you know, there are a handful of forms where they'll send it back with red marks all over it saying you fucked up here, 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 and here, and you could resubmit those, but you need to understand the difference between the forms that you're submitting that you might get back or the forms that you're submitting that might land you in jail. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, he, he said, before I tell anybody that this is what you need to do, I do it first. So if I get locked up, you know, then then he knows he did it wrong. Um, But but I don't think there's enough people stressing that fact that if you think you understand, you probably don't. You know what I mean? Um, Because just just like yourself, Coach Hurd came across this on his own personal path, dove headfirst into it and started making headway. You know what I mean? So. Um, but there's a lot of people out here for some reason, the biggest thing on YouTube is the 1099 a form to buy a house or a car. Oh yeah. And you know what? I've already got word that they're about to pounce all over those. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I've already got the word, man. So those of you watching this, if you're doing it, it's coming down. Yeah. yeah, Sorry. Uh, Coach Hurd also mentioned there was a guy who was selling vehicles to people who would purchase them with a 1099 a. And he and he said that guy, somebody uh, attempted to purchase a vehicle with the 1099A and that person fucked up the form and got in a bunch of legal trouble and then tried to come after him. And he was like, man, I didn't submit anything. You came to me. You're supposed to have that form ready to go. I submit it. And, you know, so because of his his, you know, unwillingness to, to go the distance and do his own research landed him in, in legal troubles and now he's going after a guy who would accept the proper 1099a you know what i mean so yeah there's and and i think the reason like you're saying all these people they're about to come down on him with a you know an iron hammer uh, i think the reason is, is because there's so many people who are buying into this and not doing it the correct way and now they're telling people it's impossible to do it can't be done because they got in trouble you know what i mean and, and it is possible, but it's it's a very delicate, you know, approach to all of this. Yeah. So let me give you my uh, 14 years of experience on that. This is how they do and why they do that. OK, mm-hmm. what they do is they give you 80 percent of the truth and 20 percent enough to hang yourself. And then right. they let it spread and they let everybody start doing it. And mm-hmm. yes, it works. But then they're going to come in and they're going to arrest a bunch of people and they're going to put it all over the Internet and everything so that everybody Mm -hmm. goes, oh, that doesn't work. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. They've done it. I can't even tell you. I've seen my friends involved, my parents, my family. Like, yeah. And what it is, is let's get to the core of this. Oh, I can get a house. Oh, Mm -hmm. I can get a car. Oh, that's for me. Oh, look, I'm out of debt. Why are you doing that? Like, you're not helping humanity. You don't give a shit about humanity. All you care about is what you get. Exactly. Right? Or right. look what you get. That stuff will never work as a solution. Yep. It may, I mean, some people may benefit from it, but is it a solution? Not to me. So I always stayed away because, number one, why would you use a government form mm-hmm. to take 
from the government. Yeah. (laughs) That's dumb. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah. I mean, there are ways to do it that you don't use their forms and it's recognized. You have your exemption certificate. Okay. Mm -hmm. Everyone does. If you're naturalized, you get one. If you're born, you get one. I mean, and you can get as many as you want if you're born here. If you're naturalized, you can make as many copies as you want. Right. So there's a way. Okay. So at the House of Marcus, one of the things I constantly say is we don't provide remedies. Do not come here for your legal trouble. Right. Sorry. You know, come here for the education to teach yourself how you're going to develop a legal theory to go handle that situation. Right. We're out of fix. You know, right. I might offer you some of my templates that I use for different things, mm-hmm. but they're not remedy templates. They're not like, I, what cracks me up too is the affidavit. Everybody thinks the affidavit's like a remedy. Oh, I fill an affidavit out, solves everything. No, an affidavit yeah. is just a statement of truth. It's just, it doesn't do anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. right, I mean, right. It can help, but so yeah. yeah, I'm with you, man. Like just, be very, very cautious of people, man, because Absolutely. and processes. There's no process that's ever going to save us, man. I mean, there really isn't. It's like we have to understand what the root of the problem is mm-hmm. and then unwind that with our own knowledge. Yeah. So you might hear me talk. You might hear another guy. But but don't take what I say and try to replicate it. Right. Take what I say and research it so that you can form your own opinion, your own yeah. conclusion. Exactly. Well, and, and everybody's situation, financial or otherwise, is always different. You know right. what I mean? So the approach may not be the same for everybody. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I, I never had a financial issue. Like, I, I really mm-hmm. haven't. I've always, because I work my ass off, you yeah. know? Um, and so I never had that to, to toy with. But mm-hmm. I also saw everybody going down that road chasing the financial thing, Got was getting hurt constantly. Like, just yeah. so hard. Not, not my bag, man. There's, I want to get to the root and yank that bitch out. You exactly. know? Yep. Yeah. So when I'm pulled over again, it's, oh, have a nice day, sir. Yeah. Thank you. You too. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I walk into a bank. It's like, oh yeah, we totally understand you. Gotcha. Here's your, you know, 120, uh, 120 million or, uh, you know, 12 million, whatever the case may be. You're good. Right. Go. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for giving us money. You're welcome. Have a nice day. And, and I'm good. Yeah. Right. It's not, you know, trying all these crazy processes. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. There, there are bankers now, bankers, not mm-hmm. people at their local bank. They're not right. bankers, they're employees mm-hmm. um, that do know how to do the exchange on the birth certificate to draw down that money to exchange it into an account so that you can use it for right. whatever you need it for, right? Without right. it being a loan. There mm-hmm. are banks that know how to do that. Wow. Actually, I'm getting ready to meet with an attorney on Wednesday. Um, to go over a lot of this stuff. So she's a trust attorney that, you know, COVID woke her up, you know. And right, she's yeah, like, like it did a lot of people. Yeah, right. absolutely. So. Well, Robert, this has been amazing. I do have one final question before we kind of sign off for tonight. Boy, if you have any further questions or comments, um, and then we'll give you an opportunity to shout out your social media, thehouseofmargus.org again for anybody that's interested in that. But what would be the first thing that you would suggest somebody to do, right? Because we've always heard, uh, especially in this kind of, we'll say, realm of of knowledge, first, it's your birth certificate. No, it's your social security. No, you got to rescind it. No, you got to file affidavit. No, it's uh, so you get a lot of information and then, you know, oh, this person went to jail for doing that. So then, okay, don't do that. So what's the first fucking baby step somebody could do to get their foot kind of going in this world? 
For me, after all these years, the first thing to do was to create a record of my interest in the organization. And that gets recorded in the county land records. Mm. And uh, that whole process is laid out um, on the House of Marcus for our, for our members only on what I actually do. The documents, I believe, are available. So on the House of Marcus, we have users, people that mm. come in and sign our NDA. They're users of the site. Of course, they have limited access. Then we have members which have full access um, which I suggest, I mean, for $33 a month, dude, it's off the chain because we have a community where you go into the forum and everybody's chatting about how to help each other do all this stuff, right? It's not me. It's, it's everybody else. And, and a lot of these people have a lot of experience. So you get that community forum, the library that we have, the video library of me constantly putting videos up. Um, there's a ton of stuff in there, but the very first step for me was to create that record of interest. And once that's recorded in the county land records, I can get a certified copy of that if I have to submit it as evidence. Mm-hmm. And it takes me from my spiritual being all the way through the physical straw man stuff and all the way back out the spiritual end again wow. in my affidavit of public ministry. So. I just, and that's where I stopped people in our membership. I said, this, I'm not giving you a remedy. This is to, this is to create your record. Right. It doesn't solve problems. It doesn't magically solve. There's another step. We just haven't taken it yet because right, I don't right. we're ready. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. when you start getting into the remedy thing and people are like, oh, we're going to go here and get my remedy. No create your record first, because what you're doing is you're showing how your interest relates to this thing that they created for your benefit. Right. Once that's created and it's a public record now, that's a pretty solid thing to stand on. So that's where I start. You know, it's simple. It's, it's easy to, I mean, it, it probably seems very complicated to the beginner, Yeah. but it's, but you're not doing anything. You're not putting yourself in any harm's way. You're just creating a record and there's Mm -hmm. no, uh, you know, adverse effect to that, right? It's not like you're sending it off to some head of state that's going to come after you. No, you're just, the worst that could happen is the court says, sorry, we don't record that here, which right. so far, everyone that's happened to has been able to push it through and get it recorded anyway, because they proved the court wrong. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're right. You're <laughs> right. So, right. You know, awesome. Uh, boy, uh, boy, any questions, comments? Uh, no, man, this is, this has been a great con- I like big country said, you know, the last few months we've kind of been introduced to this world and, and it's sort of just spread to all three of us. So I enjoy these conversations a whole lot. Awesome. man. Rob, I want to thank you for your time and where can people find you? social media website. So, uh, house of Marcus.org, of course, uh, unity of divine creation ministry is there. That's our church. If you just want to go and cruise around there. And, um, by the way, on our websites, all that stuff is proprietary. It's not built on WordPress. It's not built on Wix. Everything that we do is built 100% from our guy. And it's like the community for, we own it all. So there's no backdoor government coming in on any of it. Right. Completely private. Um, and then my YouTube is House of Marcus on YouTube. And then there's House of Marcus Instagram, House of Marcus uh, Facebook. Um, I don't know that we've gotten our Telegram done yet, though, because uh, we just did all the social media stuff. Twitter, House of Marcus. And then my own personal Instagram, which is general underscore executor. Awesome. 
Nice. Awesome, man. Again, thank you for your time. This is an awesome conversation. Uh, so many different things to think about and look at. Um, and I know f- 10 plus years ago, I, I came across a, what it seemed like a very obscure website that introduced me to, you know, 1933, the Federal Reserve, the Creature on Jekyll Island, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and all that stuff. Uh, it was, And I was like, this is crazy. And then you know, 10 plus years later, here we are again talking about it. So, um, <laughs> all relevant too, man. All that yeah. stuff is relevant. Absolutely. So. Well, Robert, we'll say bye to you after we end the show, but that has been it for this episode of Whiskey, Beer, and Conspiracy Podcast. I have been Big Country. I'm Boy. And we'll see you guys next week. Take care. Thank you guys.